2: Don't forget to listen, download, review, most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. And in this segment, Crowley's talking to Tommy Birch of the Des Moines of the Des Moines Register.
0: Joining me now on the Fly of the W podcast, we have our old friend Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. Tommy, how are you doing today, buddy?
1: Doing pretty good. Uh, kind of lonely. The Iowa Cubs are in the midst of a 12-game road stand, so uh, it's uh, it's going to be a while before I see any baseball in Des Moines.
0: Yeah, they were just finished up a series in Indianapolis, and you know it's it's been interesting because obviously there's a lot of movement going on between the Chicago and the iCubs. So you're kind of like in the middle of watching this whole storm kind kind of happening right here. Now you wrote an article that interested me the other day about uh, Kyle Hendricks and his trip to Chicago. He just came to Houston the other day. But for people that weren't aware, Kyle Hendricks obviously had a shoulder issue that was going down, and he was shut down last season. When was it, right around June, July-ish?
1: Yeah, somewhere around there.
0: And, you know, it's just been weird because, you know, ever since Kyle Hendricks has come up, he's really kind of been, you know, Mr. Dependable in the the, uh, rotation. And so it's been a while since Kyle's been throwing, and he was down in Iowa. And, of course, there's going to be some time that kind of takes to adjust. But man, with the way that we see the pitching here in Chicago, especially with Jamison Tyone, mm-hmm. you you know everyone's just kind of clamoring to get Kyle Hendricks back up. Yeah. What did you see that changed from when he went to go visit Tommy Haddavy up in Chicago?
1: Results. I mean, for <clears throat> you know, kind of the novice baseball expert like myself, you know, I've been watching baseball my whole life. I'm not the the pitching gurus of Tommy Hatovi and Ron Falone, but uh, Kyle had actually told me when he went back to Chicago, they looked at some film of <clears throat> one of his outings from 2016. Um, I think it was two or sometime during his past, they went back looked at one of his old starts when he was really at his best, and they um, had one of his starts from when he was with Iowa and overlaid the video. I could tell his timing was off, and essentially. Um, <clears throat> he was kind of rushing everything and that kind of threw everything out of sync for him where his fastball wasn't going where he wanted to his off-speed stuff wasn't going everywhere uh, he wanted to, which is just absolutely vital for Kyle Hendricks who does not have um, really electric stuff. That's going to just overpower everybody. As we all know, he relies so much on location, location, location so that little bit of timing which is throwing everything off he came back to Iowa um slowed down his delivery a little bit more got it to where he wanted it to be started hitting his spots and what we've seen are uh three really good outings out of him um ever since that that trip back to Chicago where he's looked great I would say the only thing that's kind of missing is kind of building up that pitch count building up that stamina is getting better and better with it. Um, his last outing in Indianapolis was much better where you know, he only pitched into the sixth inning again, but um, you know, I, I think it's still um, one of those things where he's still trying to get back into that full game shape moving forward.
0: Yeah. He went six innings pitched. He gave up one run, five hits, no walks and six K's. So hopefully the Kyle Hendricks of old and, and there's people wondering if maybe he even comes up to Chicago for the series uh, against the Reds possibly. Yeah, it could
1: be that way right now with how well he's pitching, like I said, three straight outings where he's looked really, really sharp. You know, I think once he kind of has gotten to that, that sixth inning, that's where kind of the stuff dips down a little bit more. And it's kind of like, I think what you see during a typical spring training for any starter where um, you just kind of have to build up that max, build up that stamina and get back into a better routine, which he essentially is. And that's why I think even those first couple outings, it really wasn't a major concern by any means where you looked at it like, okay, this is what a guy during spring training does. You know, the first couple outings, just about getting out there, just about um, getting on the mound, throwing your stuff and, um, eventually getting into a good rhythm, which is what Cal Hendricks has done lately.
0: Now the Cubs made a flurry of moves uh, to start the weekend. And one of those moves was Hayden Wisniewski going down, to, or I'm sorry, that happened previously, but Hayden Wesniski was recently optioned to Iowa. Have you had a chance to talk to him at all or not really?
1: Haven't gotten a chance to talk to Hayden yet, but his stuff looked absolutely great his first outing uh, with Iowa on the road in Indianapolis. I think he threw five no-hit innings, just um, going back through the stats. You know, he, he relied heavily on a sweeper. Um, I think 11, 12, 13 swing, swing and misses, somewhere around there. So um, the only concern would have been the four walks. He had four walks during that outing, but it's exactly what you want to see from a guy that is coming back down to the minor leagues after getting a demotion where he just goes out there and absolutely shoves and kind of looked a lot like the guy that we had saw in Chicago at times this year, mostly at times at the end of last year where um, he's just got great stuff. He's got swing and miss type stuff and he's got flat out dominant stuff when he's on. I think for him, it's going to be more about, finding consistency, being able to put together outing after outing, inning after inning um, of just kind of being that dominant guy that we've seen at times.
0: Now, another guy that, that has been, that was just recently sent to Iowa was optioned. Iowa was Keegan Thompson, who had just has struggled this season. And, you know, he was kind of taken aback. And I think that's hard sometimes, you know, these guys work so hard to get to the majors you know, and you know what it's like, you know, beautiful clubhouse and nice flights and all this stuff. And then they go got out. that in
1: Iowa. They've got a nice clubhouse. No, I haven't <laughs> been not, in the Iowa definitely clubhouse not, Definitely not the flights. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so tough, especially when you're a guy like Keegan Thompson who's gone up there and absolutely shoved and really um, solidified yourself as part of the plans moving forward. I think there was a point in his career where he's probably thinking like, okay, I've done my time in the minor leagues. I've done my time and I, wife well, I've solidified myself as a big league uh, reliever moving forward. And I think um, this is something we have seen from Cubs players over the years. It's going to be, how does he um, <clears throat> respond to it? And if he responds well, gets the work in, there's truly a path moving forward to have him go back up there and have great success. You know, we saw it with Ian Inhab, We saw it with Kyle Schwarber, you know, we've, We've seen it with a ton of guys, Christopher Morrell who have gone back to the minor leagues, done what they've had to do, gone back up and absolutely flourished. So I think for him it's going to be embracing that time um, back in the minor leagues, seeing done what he's got to get done, and then getting, getting back on that path moving forward because, look, he is going to be a valuable asset for the Cubs moving forward. He was a valuable piece of that bullpen last year, and they're definitely counting on him again this year.
0: Now, how surprised are you? You mentioned Chris Morrell. I mean, everybody knows the kid's got talent and all this stuff. But how – I mean, this is big league pitching. I don't care who it is. And the guy is just hitting home run after home run. Even today he gets another one. How shocked are you at at, at the success success Chris has had? And did you see him working a lot with uh, John Maley? I know they've talked a lot on the broadcast about um, moving his hands down lower and all that stuff. What did you see when he was in Iowa?
1: Yeah, I mean, they told him, look, there were two things they really wanted him to work on. They wanted the strikeout rate to go down. They wanted the walk rate to go up. The strikeout rate went down a little bit. It wasn't like drastic numbers where you saw a day difference in Christopher Morale. You saw the walk rate go up. The most important thing, I think, when I saw Christopher Morale down here was that he was having um, competitive at-bats all the time. He wasn't wasting at bats chasing pitches out of the zone constantly. You still had that chase from time to time, but you know, to a certain degree, that's what you like about Christopher morale too, is that aggressiveness and that aggressiveness leads to a lot of success. Like we're seeing at the big league level where he's going to show off a ton of power. He's going to show off a, a ton of uh, ability to just electrify that offense, something that they've been sorely missing now. Um, what he's done in Chicago is absolutely astounding me because you look at what he had done in Iowa. He had actually kind of cooled off over the last week before he got called up. So kind of wondered like, okay, is this is this almost kind of a weird time to to call him up? There was a need. They needed to bring him up though. Um, but he has just absolutely torn apart opposing pitching in Chicago. He tore apart opposing pitching in the minor leagues. And he's one of the best hitters on the planet right now when it comes to any level, what he did at AAA, what he's doing at the major league level. Um, Look, it's going to be impossible for him to keep it up. But if you can have some level of that success moving forward, man, that's going to be a valuable piece for the Cubs moving forward because he offers so many different things that um, are just insurmountably. Uh, valuable to the cubs you know like i mentioned that power he offers versatility a guy that can play the infield can play the outfield and can do a really good job of that too and just the electric ability that provides i mean it's a legit spark that you see guys feed off of left and right and it's it's an infectious energy that he has every day at the park I, i don't know if i've ever seen anybody like that. And we talk about guys that have gone up and down between the minor leagues. You know, I mentioned the Ian Haps, the Kyle Schwarbers, you know, when it came to talking about Keegan Thompson, um, you know, when Morell got sent down to the minors, he fully embraced it. He was a guy that has smile on his face all the time. He was legitimately just happy to be playing baseball anywhere. He didn't care if he was playing baseball in Chicago. He didn't care if he was playing baseball in Des Moines. Obviously, the preference is I want to be in the big leagues, but he was a guy that was just happy to be in the lineup every day, and I'm sure you're going to be in a great mood when you were absolutely raking like he was every day. So um, does it surprise me what he was doing? Um, not completely, but, I mean, I, I would say, the level of, that he is doing, it, it's absolutely insane right now.
0: Now, the, the Cub fans were kind of shocked because when they made that flurry of moves this last weekend, one guy that nobody expected to come back up was Edwin Rios. And so it's kind of like, okay, Edwin Rios is back up. What, was, he, was he doing anything in Iowa that you said, okay, I see this guy getting ready to come back up to Chicago?
1: Yeah, I mean, he showed some power. Yeah, a couple of home runs. He had some really good at bats. He was a good clubhouse guy there. Another guy that seemed totally fine with the idea of being sent down to the minors. Um,
2: save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an ac pro recharge kit today be a pro with ac pro
1: his situation was in the grand scheme of things but probably he had a pretty good idea knowing like okay that amount of experience he has the the left-handed pop that he can offer he he probably knew like okay at some point i'm going back to the big leagues so it's probably a little bit easier to digest the demotion when you know you're going to go back up but um, <clears throat> I think just the fact that he'd come down here, he had played pretty well. He had put together good at-bats. He had shown power. He's a veteran. He's a guy that um, is going to be a good clubhouse presence. It didn't really shock me that he went back up. Um, just the flurry of all the moves that came all at once and the and the, the variety of them definitely shocked me and, um, you know, when it came to a guy like Keegan Thompson, going back to him, you know, I kind of wondered like, okay, how long are they going to have that,
2: that with
0: Now, you know, you, we were talking about Keegan Thompson, two guys yes. that recently got called up Jeremiah Estrada and Nick Birdie, you know, with, with Nick Birdie, we know, obviously, you know, has to get the control down. We know he has the heat, he's, he's, he's throwing gas. But, you know, the thing that concerns me, Tommy, and I'm like, I said, I'm just a guy watching on my TV is it just doesn't seem like they give these guys chances. Like they come up and it's like, I don't know if it's just managers are nervous or if they see something that I don't. But when I see Jeremiah Estrada, I'm like, why is this guy always constantly either in garbage time or after the, the leads already been given up? Like, why isn't he given an opportunity when all these other guys are failing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is like earning that trust when it comes to David Ross, like, okay, we're going to put you in these situations early on. If you do well, I'm going to put you in some more high leverage situations. I'm going to give you some more opportunities moving forward, which in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword where, you know, you you want to get them experience, but you're also, and you're wanting them to kind of prove themselves, but also, like some of the situations just become really, really hard to navigate through, you know, especially when you're coming into a blowout game or you're coming into a game where, you know, the bases are loaded and there's one out, you know, for a long time. Um, the, The name I always thought back to, and this long before David Ross, this is, you know, a long time ago, the the one guy who just absolutely dominated in AAA and was a lights-out reliever back into the bullpen guy for the Iowa Cubs that was constantly being tossed into really tough situations and struggled all the time in Chicago was Brian Slitter. And I know Cubs fans are probably just, like, cringing when they hear that name because, like, Schlitter would go up and just would struggle at so many different times. But part of that was the situation was dictating like, man, he was getting put in some really, really tough situations. So like I said, it's kind of a double-edged sword where like one, you want to give those guys some good opportunities, but two, like, the the kind of philosophy at least by the cubs when it comes to managing the bullpen using some young inexperienced arms is saying like okay we're going to put you out there but you got to earn those other opportunities and to earn those other opportunities you got to dig through some of these tough chances um early on
0: yeah i mean it's just i i it's 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 kind of tricky because I like, look, I get it if you got a really good bullpen and it's like, man, where are we' you know, we'll just kind of put in these guys' near, but it's like, man, it, with with these guys, it's like it just seems like there's a different guy blowing a lead, or blowing a save or blowing a hold every day. It's like, why not see what you got? You know, and, and I think to me that's the toughest thing when you see these guys come from AAA is that, like, they never really get a chance to kind of get in any type of rhythm, which, you know, I mean, it, it's a good thing in one regard because it means you got talent up in the major league. But for these guys, like I think about Nelson Velazquez, it's sure. like, okay, he gets, like, a start, and then he sits for, like, four days, and then it's like, okay, now you're back in against this really tough pitcher.
1: Well, and Nelson's situation was really tough to comprehend, too, and the idea that – you know, the first time he gets called up, he's the hot hitter on the planet. We had said that about Christopher Morel, but look at the numbers that Nelson Velasquez had put together when he was at Triple A. Start the season, he goes up. Um, I think hits a grand slam and then sat the next day. And you know, part of the deal <laughs> is you know when when you're calling a guy up from Triple A you know, a, a lot of the times is you're calling up that guy because he's hitting really well and you want to utilize kind of that hot streak um, that's going on. And that was really tough. You know, I know, um, you know, when Nelson first went up, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like they got to play him every day and let him get into a rhythm because or else you are going to just cool off one of the hot hitters in your entire organization. Um you know, and when, when it comes to bullpen arms, it's really intriguing too that you look at what they do. So many times in AAA, you talk about guys like Nick Birdie, um, you know Manny Rodriguez, who's done okay at times here. You know, I think if you look at the numbers on Manny Rodriguez, are kind of inflated by a couple of bad outings. But you know, guys like uh, Nick Birdie, you know, they're in Iowa pitching seventh, eighth, ninth inning. But then they're going up to Chicago and being exposed to a completely different type of situation. So you hear it all the time that you want things to be as normal as possible. When you go up to the big league level, one of the biggest adjustments you have to adapt to is the idea that your role is going to change Um usually monumentally, you know, when you look at, you know, a guy like Nelson Velasquez who we were just talking about, who went from playing every day in Iowa to then you're kind of grinding out at bats in Chicago. Then when you talk about the bullpen guys, you're, you're talking about like, okay, I'm, I went from a late inning guy to, I'm going to get some mop up duty or some really tough situations thrown at me. So it's all about kind of adapting to that next level in the different situations that are going to get thrown at you because just because um, you get thrown into that situation in A doesn't mean you're going to get thrown into that situation in the big league level.
0: Right. Now, now, I told you about the Cubs' bullpen struggles, and we've seen Birdie, we've seen Estrada. Obviously, Cam Sanders, they're still working on control issues with him. Who would you say would be the next person to be called up if the Cubs needed bullpen help?
1: Yeah, I mean, man, both those options are really intriguing. I've always been a Cam Sanders guy just because I love the stuff, um, the V-load, the wipeout stuff. Um, You know, control has been missing at times for him, but, you know, he's a guy that will – walk to strike out three in an inning. So he's got some really good stuff. I think if he can just pound the strikes on a little bit more, it's like he he's going to be knocking out on the door of the big leagues. Obviously another guy is Cody Hoyer, who's still working his way back from Tommy John surgery. I thought like, man, when I first saw they was coming to AAA and he was starting um, That rehab assignment seemed really fast for a guy that was coming off Tommy John. And I think you saw that early on where some of the first couple outings were a little rough. He got roughed up a little bit. He had trouble with his command. He's starting to get that back. The is is really getting up there, too. So he's a guy that probably needs a little bit more time. And I think you kind of want to get him into a rhythm, too. And realistically, like, what are you going to rush him back for right now? You want to make sure he is in a good spot physically, mentally, um, all that type of stuff. But him, Cam Sanders, Manny Rodriguez, you know, is a guy who's been thrown in the high nineties as well. And has looked really good, um, at times. And like I'd said before, the statistics probably don't tell a full story when it comes to Manny, but he's also had some, um, some control issues as well. So, um, You know, Horn's another guy that they really, really seem to love. Um, He's a guy that I think would be up in the big leagues at some point this season. But all those guys are probably, um, you know, guys that are at least knocking on the door of the big leagues right now.
0: Yeah, you're talking about Bailey Horn. One last guy I want to talk about is Javier Assad. We saw the spring training was amazing. We saw the World Baseball Classic. Struggled when he came out of the gate here in Chicago. But I felt like the second time he came up, he looked much more like that guy we saw in spring than we did in early April. Uh, do, do you, you know, I, I just, to me, I think the Cubs misused Keegan. I thought he did best in a multi-inning role and they kind of moved away from that and kind of played around with that. I think with him and the side, you got guys that can, you know, when you have the short starts from say a, um, Jamison tie owner the other day you had uh Marcus Stroman those are guys that can eat four or five innings and I think that's where they really belong what's going on with Javier I mean we he was the one that we were surprised didn't come up when uh when Edwin Rios got the call up
1: yeah I mean he's just been inconsistent too he's had some really good outings and they're kind of in that really tough spot where you know it's like they're asking him to start but also like there's still that time where they're still working him back into a starter, and where he's kind of bounced in between these really tough roles between what he's been doing, what he's been doing in Chicago, what he's been doing in Iowa, and having to bounce back and forth. So I think it's been once again one of those situations where it's a really tough situation to ask the guy to find that level of consistency. Now, of course, that's being asked you know, all across the nation by different guys and different organizations who are having to bounce up and down. But it is a really tough thing, especially when you're kind of being used in and out of the bullpen. You're being looked at as a possible spot starter type guy. Your role is changing, um, you know, so much more drastically than what we were talking about before, where you're talking about guys pitching, you know, maybe in the fifth inning as opposed to the seventh inning, where as opposed to, you're talking about Javier Assad possibly spot starting versus being a long relief guy. You know, it's just so many different hats, and I think that makes it really difficult to um, kind of maintain a level of consistency moving forward. But he's shown some really good flashes at sometimes, and you know, he's kind of the forgotten guy when it comes to to the arms. And the other guy, I would say, that's kind of the forgotten guy. When it comes to arms and I was Caleb Killian, too, who's looked really sharp at times um, in Iowa. But I think that starting Chicago and what David Ross said moving forward has kind of led people to kind of write off Caleb Killian right, wrong, and different. I don't know, but he's still a guy that really intrigues me as well.
0: All right. Well, Tommy, I appreciate you jumping on and giving us the pulse of what's going on in Iowa. And there's just so much, like I said, mo- motion happening. Tell our listeners where they can read your work and where they can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, go buy a newspaper. No, um, you know, most of them probably are picking up uh, Des Moines registers at the, the new stand, but Des Moines com. Follow me on Twitter at Tommy Birch. And uh, we have a lot of good content coming this week. You'll, I think you're going to have a Ben Brown story that I think fans will like, and probably a Jake slaughter story coming too. another guy that like out of all these guys that we're talking about, that's a guy who's absolutely raped The entire year. Now he's, now they has been down in uh triple a, but somebody that, realistically, where is he going to go this season right now? But definitely a name to keep an eye on.
0: All righty. We'll be following these stories closely, Tommy. Thank you for jumping on,
1: buddy. Thanks for having me.
2: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best